Genesis chapter 32. We are applying the book of Genesis as we move through it. Those who are with me through the entire hour of the Lord's Day Live, you know that the first 30 minutes we spend in Bible class, and we deal with the same chapter as we deal with in our sermon time. In the second half, we deal with a sermon application period to what we are talking about in that particular chapter. Probably more information than you need. But anyhow, that's what we're doing in Genesis Applied. We're looking now at chapter 32. An interesting passage. Jacob's going to wrestle with God, and I'm going to try to make an application to that. Here are the five questions that we hope to answer as we move through this interesting chapter. Did you screenshot that? All right, we're moving on. Question I'd like to address, actually it's a statement. Uh, to wrestle with God. What does that mean, to wrestle with God? It's an interesting passage in, in Genesis chapter 32. I'm not sure I can tell you specifically what it means to wrestle with God. I know in this particular case, it's actually going to do bodily injury. Uh, there's going to be a bodily harm that's going to come to Jacob as he's wrestling with God. And so there obviously is a much, a very much a physical side to this particular story. But I want to take this concept in general, and I want to address it to spiritual warfare making difficult decisions, as we wrestle with God, wrestle with the Spirit, trying to figure out what we're supposed to do, the conflict that is so often happening in our lives. Jacob was left alone, and a man's going to show up to wrestle with him. This man is evidently God, because he's going to say later on, he's going to name the place Peniel, which means uh, saw God face to face. Uh, but in the process, the man is not prevailing against Jacob. And he touches his hip socket, puts it out of joint as he wrestles with him. Then the man says, let me go. The day's broke. And Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. And uh, the man changes his name to Israel. He said, uh, then he said, your name should no longer be Israel. And the reason is you've striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about it or not, but uh, the, the name Israel is probably one of the most familiar names in all of the world. I mean, we've got an, an entire nation named Israel today, right? But the name Israel actually comes from the idea of Jacob wrestling with God, striving with God, uh, working with God, if you will, uh, come, almost in a combative manner with God, and coming out prevailing. I think that the story of Jacob in chapter 32 is not unlike the story of the persistent widow that Jesus tells, how that she keeps going back to the, the, the judge, the, the king or whatever, the authority figure there, and, and, and saying, I, I need you to take care and get me justice. And because of her persistence, he eventually does. Jesus actually used that illustration, saying that you and I ought to be persistent in our prayer life as well. I kind of wonder if that's not one of those applications we could draw from this particular story. That Jacob doesn't actually win the wrestling match, but he does win the respect, if you will, the favor, the blessing of God, because he doesn't give up in the process. So I want to take this now to an application that would make it poignant to you and I with regards to when we struggle. And Honestly, i got to be honest, when I struggle with various things in life, I struggle with God, most of my struggle is, what do you want me to do, God? I don't know what direction you want me to take. Now, there have been times in my life when I've really doubted God, not his existence, I don't think I've ever doubted that, but I doubted that God was doing the right thing. 
Yeah, there have been times I thought to myself, God, that can't be the right thing for us to do. You can't be leading us down the right path. I've doubted in that way. God forgive me, but I have. Um, but most of the time, it's not so much that as it is, I just don't know what you want me to do. Now, you say, well, Sonny, you got your Bible. Just read it. But did you know that there's some things in the Bible that aren't specifically addressed? Sure. I've had on occasion, I've had job offers. In fact, I remember a time I had a job offer in Louisiana, I had a job offer in Indiana, and both places wanted me to come there, and I just didn't know what to do. I just didn't know what to do. And so I, I went to praying, God, what do you want me to do? And as it turns out, he didn't want me to go to either place. But, uh, you know, it was kind of, both of them were great options. Both of them were great congregations. I would have done a wonderful ministry in both of those places, but evidently God didn't want me to do that. He wanted me to be a missionary to America, and so I've traveled around America doing all those kind of things. But I, I felt like that I was striving, wrestling, if you will, with God to figure out what you want me to do. You ever felt that way? Well, I want to give you a hint on how you can find out the will of God. I'm going to call it D-A-T-E. You can remember it for a lot of reasons. When I teach this to young people, I forgot to put a period there. Oops. When I teach it to young people, I often will say to them, uh, when you're on a date, that's a time when a lot of hard decisions are made. But for those of us who are adults, we might say with the D-A-T-E, I can remember the date that I made this decision. You can date the decision. I don't care how you remember it. But I'm going to use each of these letters to give us four points on how you can make difficult decisions, wrestling with God, trying to figure out what it is exactly God wants you to do. D is for deny. The first thing you got to do as you make a difficult decision, wrestling with God to figure out what to do. The very first thing you got to do, and by the way, if you don't do this one first, the rest of the, the, rest of the equation just doesn't work. You got to do this one first. D is for deny. The very first thing you got to do is you got to deny yourself. You, you, you got to say right up front that I'm going to accept the leadership of God no matter how difficult it is. That if God wants me to do this, I'm going to do this. If he wants me to do that, I'm going to do that. The reason for that is it's not very fair of you to go to God and to say, God, I am wrestling, I'm struggling, I really want to know what you want here. And then God says, oh, well, what I want is this, and you end up doing just the opposite. My favorite prophet in the Old Testament is Jeremiah. I wrote a book on Jeremiah, the Jeremiah generation, and um, as I read, or I wrote, read through the book of Jeremiah, and as I wrote this particular book, I was fascinated to find out that towards the end of Jeremiah's ministry, he is left behind in Israel, which has now been decimated, and uh, the northern, anyhow, they've gone off into captivity, and uh, he is he's, he's left behind with with the remnant of the remainder of what used to be a big 12-tribe 12 na 12 nation called Israel. Well, he's left behind with this little bit of, of, of population. And they come to the prophet and they say, we don't know what to do. Uh, we're really afraid that we're going to do the wrong thing. We think we should go to Egypt. I don't know why it was with God's people. They always wanted to go to Egypt. But anyhow, we think we should go to Egypt. What do you say we should do, Jeremiah? Jeremiah said, give me some time. I think he said 10 days. Give me some time and I'll pray about it. And so the prophet goes off evidently by himself, and he prays to God, and he asks God what to do. God says, here, you tell my people this, the little group that's remaining back behind. You tell them this, whatever you do, don't go to Egypt. So Jeremiah goes back to God's people, and he says, here's what God says. Whatever we do, we need to stay here. Don't go to Egypt. You know what they did? They went to Egypt. My point for the first letter, D, is this. 
if you're not going to truly deny yourself, you're not truly investing in what an answer from God. You're not really, what you're doing is you're saying, God, if you will, tell me what I want to hear. If you're going to take this process on, if you are going to truly seek the will of God, struggling, wrestling with Him, you've got to commit. I, I'm denying myself and I'm going to go with whatever God says do. Don't allow yourself to rationalize after you get a difficult answer from God. Well, that He can't really mean He wants me to do that. That's what they did, and they were punished for it, by the way, when they went, they went to Egypt. I'll go with Jeremiah. So the first thing you got to do if you're making a, t a tough decision, God, I just want what you want. Here's a phrase my dad taught me that I thought was profound. God, help me to want what you want me to want. Write that down. It takes a little bit of time to get your, your head around it, but it's powerful. God, help me to want what you want me to want. In other words, I'm asking God to change my desires. When I deny myself... I say to God, God, I want you to be first, whatever you desire. Now, will you please change my heart? Because I want what you want. The A is for ask advice. The wise man once said that there's wisdom in, in many counselors. I think that's the Proverbs 15 one there. Maybe it's 28, I don't remember. But anyhow, when you seek God's leadership, it's important that you first consult Him. So, if you're, if you're going to make a difficult decision, you do need to pray and you do need to do some Bible study. Because even though some decisions are not specifically pointed out in Scripture, certainly the principles that can lead you to a proper decision are pointed out in Scripture. Let's go back to my illustration. Two job offers, one in Louisiana, one in Indiana. I didn't know what to do. It would have really been nice to open up to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9 and it says, Thou shalt go to wherever. That would have been neat. But it does. the Bible just doesn't do that. So what do you do? You pray, and you ask God, send me information. Now that information could come from a variety of places. We're gonna this this next one is is part of the information process. You'll see that in just a moment. But sometimes it's just from asking advice from good godly people. I did. I, I talked to some other preachers who I had a lot of respect for as to what do you think? Would this be good? Would that be good? Etc. Anyhow, when I finally came and I'm confident I made the right decision, but when I finally came to my decision, I was very much at peace because I didn't make it on my own bias. I factored in the information that others had as well. Now remember, number one, I've already said, God, whatever. You want me in Louisiana? I'm going. You want me in Indiana? I'm going. Basically, God said, I don't want you either, either place, but I was willing to go, because, I, and I still am. I'll be honest with you. They're begging me to come to Kenya. And I love you, Dennis, but I don't want to go. My buddy Dennis is over there. It's not that I don't want to see Dennis. I love Dennis. He's doing a phenomenal work over there. And I believe that I could get my buddy Bissethu to come down from Uganda and maybe my other buddy Peter to come over from India and, and others that could come. So it would be a wonderful event, and I want to be with them. I want to hug on them, but I'm not good at traveling anymore. I don't like that. I'm getting older, etc. But here's what I've been praying to God recently. God, if you want me to go, I want to go. Change my heart. Give me the courage, give me the physique, and I've been doing that in my exercises every morning, trying to get myself back in, into a situation where I could begin traveling, etc. But I, I, I got to deny myself. I don't like getting up there in that airplane and thinking there's nothing below me. I hate that feeling. But hey, my God's a big God; He can keep that airplane. But I got to deny myself. Am I willing to do that? Yes. Seeking advice. 
I've talked to a lot of folks, not the least of which is my wife, as to, is this a good idea? What do you think? I've talked to my boys because they're probably going to have to make a preliminary trip ahead of me as to whether or not it should go, etc. So I've had a lot of that going on, asking for advice. The T is really important. In fact, it's probably my favorite step in the whole process. T is for turning signal. We're not very good at this in Northeast Arkansas, but you know, generally speaking, if you're following another vehicle and that vehicle puts on its left turning signal, generally in the rest of the country, that means they're going to turn left. Now, here in Northeast Arkansas, it doesn't mean anything, oftentimes. But uh, generally speaking, it means they're going to turn left. That's why you have a turning signal. You turn that on, that gives the guy behind you enough enough warning, if you will, to anticipate the fact that we're probably going to slow down because he's going to turn left. Turning signal is when you watch God's turning signal. Pretend that you're in a vehicle behind God, and God is giving you indicators as to which way we're going to go on the path. When you look at this particular point, you begin to recognize that God continues to work in our life today. Miraculously? Absolutely. Now, I have not seen a lot of the miraculous things take place in today's world that we read about in the New Testament church. For instance, I can't tell you the last time I saw a dead man raised to life. You? So, my point is that, even I'm not saying it can't happen, I'm just saying I haven't seen it. But that doesn't mean I have to doubt that God can lead me in other ways. you got a physical condition that, you know, an ailment, whatever it may be. God may decide that he's going to lead you through the doctor's advice. Or he's going to lead you through somebody else who's been through that particular situation. But when you get the turning signal, it's kind of when you watch to see what God does miraculously in your life. Doors that he opens up by way of opportunity. Or doors that he closes. T is a lot like D. In that you have to, if God closes a door, don't be kicking it down. There's a reason that his turning signal says we're not going that direction. But sometimes that door being shut, it's frustrating. You're saying to yourself, I just, I, I can't believe I'm reading the signs right because God surely would not shut that particular door down. But it's a lot like that song, you know, thank God for unanswered prayers. I can't tell you the number of times when I thought God shut a door and I said to myself, God, you, you missed this one. This is not right. Only to some months later say, God, I'm sorry. Thank you so much for shutting that door. At the time, I couldn't see why you shut it, but now I do. Watch for his turning signals when you're trying to make a very difficult decision. And then the E is for expedient. The word expedient simply means to do the greatest amount of good in the shortest amount of time. Uh, we live in urgent times. There's a lot of people who need to be reached for, with the gospel of Christ. And because of the urgency of our time, because there are so many of friends and neighbors, etc., who need the gospel message, and we need to be making right decisions, because of the urgency of the time, it's important for us to be expedient in all that we do, not waste time. You and I get to heaven, you and I, we'll sit by the, the river of life and just bask it in, and we'll just waste, waste time all we want in the presence of Jesus. I would love that, as if you could waste time in his presence. My point is, right now, we don't have time to do that. we got to get after the business of the Lord. And so the third, or the fourth thing you got to ask yourself is, is it expedient? Is it going to accomplish the greatest amount of good in the shortest amount of time? Back to my story. When I had these two opportunities, both loving congregations, I, I think I could have done well there. And both places love me very much, and, and I love them to this very day. But I think that I could have seen an expedience 
in going to one of the congregations over the other. I'm not going to tell you which, because uh, i got viewers who probably understand the, the illustration. But I, I saw an expedience that could have been, and yet as I was praying to God, he did something that was amazing to me, and that is he gave me a third option. You see, as you're moving through this process, you need to make sure God's doing the leading. And sometimes you're going to come to a point where you give God two options, and he says, but the thing is, you're not seeing a third option. And that's what I ended up doing. I ended up becoming a missionary to America, and so I've, tra and I've been to those congregations on many occasions, even worked with them extensively on many occasions, but I never moved there, never lived there. And yet I was blessed to have both of those opportunities and to travel throughout America. I think that it was expedient, the decision that I made. So let's come back and review. So I'm wrestling with God as to what in the world I should do. And I think that the best way for you to solve that is to come through the four points, date. Deny yourself, ask advice, look for God's miraculous turning signals in your life, open doors and closed doors, and then what's the... What's the decision that I can make that would bring about the greatest good in the shortest amount of time? If you'll run it through that process, it's a lot like wrestling with God, trying to decide what would God want me to do. This way you can date, give it a date, the day that you made your decision. Here are the five questions again. <clears throat> 